So no matter how old or young you are, my guess is you have something in your life that you wish wasn't true about you, or maybe that you wish you didn't do. It might be a really big thing, or it could be a really small thing. Maybe, um, maybe this past week, you know, you had three servings of dessert instead of one, and you think, man, I really, like, I shouldn't have eaten that. I really shouldn't have had pizza that late at night. But then there's also some things in our lives that we wish we could redo. Today's Easter, and so there's a good chance that you're going to spend some time with some family and friends today that you don't like. (laughs) Maybe you're sitting next to them right now. It's okay. Families are great. But the thing is, is that when families get together, there's, there's all this laughter, there's a lot of just fun, but then there's also some tensions that families have. There's also this feeling of, like, you didn't apologize for that the last time. Like, you didn't say, I was sorry. You, we've never mended the brokenness of what happened five, ten years ago. And so there's some regrets that we carry. And depending on your age, there's a chance that maybe you have some regrets from high school, from college. Depending on your age, maybe you're thinking, man, I wish I would have taken that chance earlier because now I feel like I missed my chance. Or maybe, maybe you're at this age where you're wondering, is my chance ever even going to come? Am I ever even going to get a shot? See, and the thing is, is that no matter where you are, you carry some kind of regret could be really big. It could be in terms of a decision that you didn't make, that you wish you would have gone to that college, that you wish you would have had that major, that you wish you would have taken that chance and actually invested in that company at the beginning. It could be really small. That maybe you're a parent and you just lost your cool this past week. Maybe it's really small, and but you still wish you could redo it. You still wish you could go back. See, and the thing is, is that all of us have moments, moments we remember, moments that are life-shaping that we wish we could redo. And so the question is, how do you redo it? Because you can't go back and replay the moment. You can't go back and relive it. You can't go back and have the conversation. You can't, especially with your family, go back and say, hey, let's just pretend that didn't happen. Let's just pretend that I wasn't really a jerk that Christmas. Let's just pretend that I didn't drink too much that night. Let's just pretend that we didn't end up in that place. We can't do that. See, I want you to just take a moment, look, look around. If you're at home, you can look to the person next to you. Just look around. No matter how dressed up everybody is saying, you all look really, really nice. Make sure you compliment my nine-year-old on his suit. He, he's really nervous about wearing a suit today, but he looks super cute. So no matter how dressed up you are, all of us, all of us right now, are carrying something that we wish we could redo. All of us are carrying a moment that we wish we could undo. All of us have a conversation that we wish didn't happen. And so the question on Easter is, what do you do with those moments and situations that you would like to undo or redo? What do you do? And the amazing thing is, is that's really what Easter is all about is that Easter is all about how Jesus undoes and redoes the moments that we wish didn't happen. 
And, and we see this in, in Luke 22. Now, here's one of the amazing things about Luke 22. It, it, Luke 22 and what we're going to look at in John 21 is actually one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. Because one of the things that I've often struggled with is I'm really good at carrying a grudge against somebody, and I'm really good at holding on to things. I don't know if you're like that, if anyone else can resonate with that, but I'm really good at remembering everything you have ever done to me and trying to figure out how to make you pay for it, okay? I'm also really good at remembering everything I've ever done. Like, I can remember, I like vividly can remember things that I wish I hadn't said. I mean, I can remember conversations from when I was like eight years old, and I think, why did I even say that? I can remember conversations of things that were said to me in elementary school and think, why do I remember that? And, and so what we're going to see today in this interaction between Jesus and Peter is how Jesus handles our regrets and the do-overs that we want to have. Now, what's interesting in the Gospels, we're starting a series today called Questions Jesus Asked, because here's kind of the play on words that we're doing. All of us have questions that we would like to ask God. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, there's something that you think, man, I'd really, if I got a chance to ask Jesus a question, like, I would really like to know, like, what do you think of politics? How would you vote? How, what do you think about what's going on in the world today? Like, all of us, regardless of our spiritual background or where you are in your spiritual journey, have things that we're like, if God's out there, I, here's what I'd like to know from him. And those questions reveal some heart cries that you have, some curiosities, probably some doubts that you have. But what's interesting is that in the Gospels, Jesus asked a ton of questions to people. In fact, one historian went through the Gospels and counted and estimated that Jesus asked over 300 questions in the Gospels. Now, those questions, just like the questions we have about life and faith and, and all kinds of things, reveal a lot of what's happening underneath the surface, right? Just like when a, when a child, you know, is constantly asking you questions. Hey, what about this? Hey, what about this? Hey, mom. Hey, mom. Hey, mom. What about this? Hey, mom. What about this? And Jesus, in the same way, when he asks questions, he's trying to get underneath the surface of what's happening in somebody's life. And he's trying to get to the heart of the matter. And in the interaction we're going to see today, he's getting to the heart of Peter's regrets. Now, in Luke 22, what's happening is that Jesus, it's the night before he's crucified in Luke 22. Jesus has brought together all of his disciples. They've, they've had the Passover feast together. Jesus, knowing that he is going to be betrayed, washes all the feet of the disciples. Now, I want you to think about this. One of them, Judas, is sitting there, and Jesus knows he's going to betray him, and he still serves him and washes his feet. And as we think about do-overs, and we think, man, how do I move forward? And Jesus says, here, we serve those who have hurt us. And Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knows that he's going to be betrayed. He predicted that he was going to be betrayed. And he even said, you know, all of you are going to leave me. And Peter, in, in his, you know, just flamboyance and just passion and pride, says, Jesus, if everybody else leaves you, I'm going to stay. He announces to all the disciples, Jesus, if everybody else falls away, if everyone else gets really weak, I'm going to be the one guy that stays there. And as Jesus is betrayed, as Jesus is arrested, you see all of the disciples begin to slink back. And Peter, we're told, follows at a distance and follows Jesus to the high priest's house. Now, it's dark. And I want you to imagine this. Here's Peter. He has spent three years watching Jesus. He has spent three years with Jesus, camping with Jesus, sitting around fires with Jesus, watching him teach, watching him perform miracles, watching him raise people from the dead. And now his friend, the person that he has placed his hope and trust in, has been arrested. 
Now, if you have a church background, then you know how the story ends, but Peter has no idea. So Peter is just slinking along. He is trying not to be seen. I want you to imagine his heart is just pounding, right? Have you ever played like capture the flag like in the night and you're like, man, I hope I don't get caught. I hope no one sees me. And like his heart is pounding, he's sweating and he's trying not to be seen and he gets to the high priest's house and he tries to slink into the courtyard. And Jesus is in the high priest's house being questioned. And Peter is standing around a fire and he kind of slinks up and there's the servants there. And we're told that when the servant saw him sitting in the light, okay, as they're sitting around the fire, the servant sees him. And the servant says, this man was with Jesus too. But Peter denied it, saying, woman, I don't know him. And after a little while, someone else saw him and said, you're one of them too. And Peter said, man, I am not. And about an hour later, another kept insisting This man was certainly with him since he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Now, this conversation happens over hours. Okay, I want you to picture this. They're sitting around a fire and somebody says, hey, aren't you with Jesus? He goes, no, no, I'm not with Jesus. Now, I understand from a human level what Peter's doing. He doesn't want to get arrested. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's not sure. You know, he's trying to figure out like, what the lay of the land is, what's going to happen to Jesus. And somebody says, no, no, you, you have to be here. Like, you're a Galilean. You look exactly like, you're from the same hometown as him. You sound like him. You look like him. You, you have to be him. You have to be with him. And Peter insists. Now, I want you to think about, have you ever insisted on something that you ended up regretting? You looked at your parents, you're like, that is not going to happen. I'm telling you, we're in love. You don't know him like I do. Just wait till you know him like I do. You have no idea how smart I am. We insist on things, right? But those insistence sometimes become regrets, becomes things we wish we could do over. We're told the rooster crowed. And then in verse 61, Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And so Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. Now, for almost my entire life, whenever I heard this verse of Jesus looking at Peter across the courtyard, I always thought Jesus looked at Peter across the courtyard with anger and disappointment. Because that's how I'd imagine I would feel if I was betrayed. But here's the thing. When it says that Jesus looked at Peter, the Greek word for that means to behold somebody. When you behold somebody, you see all of who they are. You see all of their story. You see all of their idiosyncrasies and all of the broken places and all of the good things. See, Jesus doesn't look at Peter with anger and disappointment. Jesus looks at Peter knowing, knowing, knowing all of it, predicting it would happen. And Peter leaves and weeps. Now, I want you to think for a moment, do you have any regret or do-over that has caused you to just weep? See, Peter leaves just weeping, knowing that he didn't do what he said he was going to do, that he didn't stick to what what he said he would do. He weeped because what Jesus predicted 
came true. See, and sometimes, some of the things that we would like to do over, some of the things that I would like to do over in my life are moments when somebody else was right about me. Those moments when I argued with myself and said, that's not going to be true. I'm going to change that in my family. That's not going to be true about my life. And they said, no, 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 this is, this is who you are. And those moments that I would like to undo are moments that someone else predicted. And those are hard. And Peter's in this place, and he had told Jesus, I, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to deny you. Everyone else can leave, he says, in front of all the disciples. He says, Jesus, if everybody else runs away, I'm not going to run away. If all these weak people give up, I'm not going to give up. And what did he do? The moment three people around a fire said, are you with him? He goes, no. No, I'm not with him. And Peter leaves and weeps. And the next day, Jesus is crucified. And three days after that, Jesus rises from the dead. And we're told throughout the Gospels and throughout history that Jesus appears to hundreds of people. But after his resurrection, there's an incredible encounter in John 21. And there's so much in it when Jesus encounters Peter. Now, in this moment in John 21, after Jesus has risen from the dead, Peter goes back home. He goes back to Galilee, and he goes back to fishing. Peter's a fisherman. Now, here's the thing that happens when, when our lives fall apart, when regrets pile up for us, when we hit rock bottom, we go back to the places that we know. We go back to the people that we know. Have you ever noticed that when you're just having an awful day, you go back to calling that one person that knows you the best? And Peter does the same thing. Peter's life at this point has fallen apart. He, not, he didn't follow through on anything he said, so he goes back and he fishes. And Peter is exactly where a lot of us are today. There's something that a lot of us carry that you think, my relational life is over. Some of you think my financial life is over. There's no way I'm going to be able to recover from this. Some of you wonder if your family can ever recover from this. Some of you wonder in relational wounds if you could ever actually move forward with that other person. And Peter's in that same spot where he's going, I wonder if I can even pick up the pieces. And he goes back to fishing. And in John 21, Jesus comes to Peter, and he stands on the shore. Now, I want you to picture this. They're out in the Sea of Galilee. I want you to picture out in the water. They're in a boat, all the disciples, and they're fishing. And we're told in, in John 21 that Jesus walks up to them on the shore, but they don't know it's him. And he calls out. He says, cast the net on the right side of the boat, Jesus told them, and you'll find some fish. And so they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of, the, of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, speaking of John, said to Peter, Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon P Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him and he plunged into the sea since they were not far from land, about 100 yards away. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. And when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Now, in this interaction, in this, in this passage, there is so much happening. Because what Jesus does in John 21 is he actually recreates some of the highest and lowest moments of Peter's life to remind him of something. And what Jesus shows us is he shows us what he does with all of our regrets and the things we want to do over. 
See, in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus comes to the disciples before any of them are disciples, he shows up on the Sea of Galilee, and Peter is out fishing with his dad and his brothers, and Jesus comes out, and he says, hey, have you caught any fish? And they say, no. And Jesus says, cast the net on the other side of the boat, and they do. And they haul in so many fish that the boat begins to sink, and Jesus says, come and follow me. So what, what is Peter doing in this moment? Peter's fishing, and Jesus says, hey, come and follow me. And Jesus says, hey, put your boat on the other, put your net on the other side of the boat. And they begin to follow him. And so much so that when he sees that it's Jesus, he jumps out of the boat. And if you remember in the gospels, one of the times when they're in the middle of the storm, Jesus walks out on the water and Peter walks out to him. And so Jesus is saying, hey, do you remember all of these moments? And so far, these are good moments. These are high moments in Peter's lives. And so he's saying, in these good moments, Peter, I was there. I was there. And then he gets there. He gets to the side. And it says he's sitting by a charcoal fire. Do you know there's two places in Scripture that a charcoal fire appears? In John 21 and in Luke 22. When Jesus looks at Peter and Peter is standing in the courtyard around the fire, we're told he's standing by a charcoal fire. See, our senses are incredibly powerful. See, here's what I know about your regrets because it's true about mine. If one of your regrets is a conversation, I bet you can remember the room. There's a chance you can even remember what you or the other person was wearing. You might be able to remember the sound of the clock ticking on the wall. Maybe if your regret happens somewhere, you can see it. You can hear your parents saying something. You can hear your teacher saying something. You can even remember the words that played in your mind before you actually followed through on the thing you regret. Because we remember. Our senses remember. And it's not haphazard that Jesus built a charcoal fire. He wanted Peter to remember not just the good moments, but he wanted Peter to remember the moments that Peter wants to undo. He wanted to say, Peter, let's go back to that night. And you might think, bread and fish, that's a weird breakfast. But if you remember, what is one of Jesus' miracles? He takes bread and fish and he feeds 5,000 people. And Peter was there. And Peter was the one who was like, hey, how are we going to feed all these people? Peter's like, or Jesus is like, I got, I got it. And they sit down. And in this moment, what Jesus is showing Peter and showing us is that Jesus is part of all of our moments. Jesus is part of all of your moments. And all of them can be redeemed. Jesus is part of all of your moments. Jesus is saying, Peter, you know that I was there when we did the feeding of the 5,000. You remember that? You, you know I was there when you walked on water. You, you, I was there when, when I called you. I was also there when you stood in the courtyard and said, you had no idea who I was. And Jesus says, we're going we're to talk about all of them. We're going to all of those places. And it says in verse 15, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter. Now, here's a detail that's really easy to miss. I, want you to, I don't want you to miss this. Everyone is sitting around the fire at this moment. 
all the disciples. Okay, so the following conversation doesn't just happen between Peter and Jesus. It happens in front of everybody because sometimes there are things in our lives that need to be brought out into the open because all of the disciples have heard, Jesus, have heard Peter say again and again, Jesus, I'm never leaving you. Jesus, I'm never running away. I'm gonna stick. If everybody else leaves, Jesus, I'm staying. All the disciples heard that and all the disciples knew that Peter denied Jesus. And so they're sitting there going, okay, like, what's gonna happen? Like, this is that moment when you sit down at the family dinner and you're like, all right, who's going to be the first one to, like, say something? And one of you is, like, going, oh, man, please don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Please don't, please don't say anything about masks. Please don't say anything about masks, right? <laughs> this is that moment. They're all sitting there, and one of them is just going, oh, man, who's going who's gonna to say it? Is Jesus going to say anything? Do you think it's, I, I mean, imagine this. This has got to be tense, especially if you don't like confrontation. If you don't like confrontation, you're like, man, a fish for breakfast, this is the worst thing that I could have had. Like, and here's this conversation. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. And a second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. And he said this to indicate the kind of death Peter would glorify God. And after saying this, he told him, follow me. See, like the rest of John 21, there's so much happening here. See, when Jesus says, Simon, son of John, he's returning to the earlier time when he called Peter to be a disciple. Because in Matthew 4, he called him Simon. He said, Simon Peter, son of John. See, what Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, do you remember before we met? Do you remember before I rescued you, before I changed you, before you did anything for me? Before, do you remember before you said anything stupid about me? Do you remember before you stuck your foot in your mouth? Do you remember that simpler time? See, and, and our names are powerful. Our names are powerful. Our names tell us something of where we've come from. And so Jesus says, hey, Simon, son of Peter, do you remember? Because I remember. And you have a name, and I have a name. And our names and our stories are wrapped up together. And Jesus says, Simon, Peter, I, I know. See, throughout the Gospels, he has just been Peter. And Jesus bookends his life and says, Simon, son of John, do you remember? Do you remember, if you're a follower of Jesus today, do you remember the first time you encountered God and were just blown away by the grace of God? Do you remember? Do you remember before, before you felt like you needed to do anything for God? Before you actually did anything for God? Do you remember when Jesus just rescued you? Just because he loved you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've never experienced the grace of God, what you need to know from the story is when Jesus looks at Peter and uses his name, he does the same thing to us and he says, I know you, I know your story and I love you. And sitting around this charcoal fire, just that smell, just that smell. And he says, Peter, let's go back to that night, that night when you denied me. 
And he asks him three times, do you love me? Now, scholars differ on their opinion about how important the words are here, but I think they're really, really important. Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, more than these could have been the fish. It could have been the other people. He says, do you love me? And the word he uses for love is agape, which carries this idea of sacrificial love, this this love that is deeper and more faithful than any other kind of love that can be described within the Greek language. He says, Simon, do you agape me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, but he uses the word phileo, which means brotherly love. It's not as deep. And Jesus says, do you agape me? And Peter says, I phileo you. And he asks him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And he says, Lord, you know I phileo you. He doesn't use the word. The third time, Jesus says, do you phileo me? And Peter says, you know I phileo you. Here's why I think this matters. Is Jesus says, do you agape me? And Peter says, this is what I got. This is all I got. And Jesus says, do you agape me? And he says, this is what I got. And Jesus says, that's okay. He doesn't berate him. See, we have this idea that the only way for me to follow Jesus and the only way for me to do anything great for Jesus is I have to be up here. And Jesus says, I'll take what you got, and that's enough. Because it doesn't matter what you have, Peter. I'm going to meet you where you are. And he says, your story's not over here, Peter. Your story's not over here at the at, at the edge of the sea as we sit around this fire. See, because we think, like, if I don't do this, like, that's the end of my story. And Jesus says, no, no, the end of your story is actually further in the future. The end of your story, you're, you're actually going to die for me. And here's what's amazing about Peter's life. After this moment, just a few short weeks later, Peter would stand up in front of an entire city and preach the gospel, and thousands of people would follow Jesus. Peter would go on to to lead throughout the book of Acts in the early church. And thousands of people came to Jesus because I think of this moment with the resurrected Jesus. When Jesus says, I will take what you have and I will multiply it past what you can do. See, because Peter is somebody who's like, man, I can do it on my own. Like, I got the passion, I got the drive, like, Jesus, I can do it. And and he says, Peter, Jesus, this this is all I have. This is all I have. And Jesus says, that's enough. And here's what I need you to hear if you're a follower of Jesus. When you think, but I I really want to be up here, Jesus says, I'll take what you have. And then I will multiply it. And we're told throughout history, we know through history, that Peter one day would be crucified for Jesus. But he, he, as he was crucified in this moment, he was crucified upside down because he did not feel like he could be crucified in the same way as Jesus. And I wonder, after this moment of predicting, I wonder if every day he woke up and he thought, I wonder if today's the day. I wonder if today's the day. Throughout Acts, he would get arrested numerous times. I wonder if he thought as he was being beaten and imprisoned, I wonder if today's the day that I die. Like Jesus told me I was going to die. I wonder if today's the day. I mean, he lived with this awareness that not only that today could be the day, but he also lived with this awareness of Jesus saying, I will take what you have and I will multiply it. And he saw it again and again. 
See, here's what I don't want us to miss. Because we have this idea, we come to Easter and we dress up and everything and we think, man, I need to be up here. I need to get my act together for Jesus. And Jesus says, I'll take you broken. I'll take you beaten down. I'll take you at rock bottom. If you have phileo, I'll take it. That's grace. That's grace. That Jesus takes what we have and says, I'll multiply it. See, the hope of the resurrection, what the resurrection tells us is that if you're at the end of your rope, it's not over. The hope of the resurrection tells us that if you're at a place where you wish you could redo a relationship, it's not over. The hope of the resurrection tells us that you didn't miss your chance. And the hope of the resurrection is that you can be made new. So here's my invitation for you. You'll notice on your Connect card that there's a line that says next step email. And every week, one of the things that our church is we're really big on, next steps. Because we believe that just because you're here today, that God has a next step for you. And if you check that box this week, we're going to send you just a short email that's just going to walk through. What do you do with your regrets and the moments you wish you could do over? How do we take what's in John 21 and live that out? What is it if Jesus was sitting across from you, maybe in the room, in the place with you, that you have your regrets, and he said, do you love me? And you say, this is what I got, and Jesus says, I'll take it. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, here's what Easter tells us, is that Jesus came so that all of the moments of your life, all of the stories of your life, all of the moments that are amazing and all the moments you wish you could redo, the hope of Easter, the hope of the resurrection is that those are made new in Jesus. And Jesus is sitting here with you in that regret, in that place, saying, do you love me? Because I was there. And it's just that simple yes. The people that we're going to see get baptized today, this is their next step of following Jesus. This is them saying, in, in my life, Jesus has changed me. Jesus has rescued me. Jesus has made me new. And it's not anything that they did. The friend that invited you today, they didn't do anything for Jesus to rescue them. All that we added to the equation was our brokenness. All that Peter added to the equation was his denials. So as we sing together, we're going to sing a song. And before we do, I want you to just take a moment. And maybe for you, maybe this is the first time you've ever considered that God loves you, that Jesus is here for you. Jesus is sitting right here saying, I know your story and I love you. And so maybe for you, your next step today is taking that step of following Jesus. Or maybe for you, it's getting baptized at our next baptism. But I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing a song. It's one that I have just loved recently. And it's a reminder of Jesus' love for us. That you and I are the beloved. See, as Peter launched out into his life, Jesus wanted him to know that I love you. He wanted him to know I'm not disappointed in you. I'm not angry at you. He wanted him to know I forgive you and I love you. 
Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that even though it, it bristles against us, that we want to be, we want to do so much for you. We want to we be incredible for you. We want to have passion for you. And yet, in your grace and mercy, you, you take what we have. And so God, remind us, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, remind us today of your love for us. That nothing we can do can separate us from you. And God, for those who, who today don't know who you are, have never taken that step of following you, God, may we know, may they know your love for them. That you have been there in all of their moments, the high ones and the low ones, and you redeem them all. And you make us new through the hope of the resurrection. In your name, amen. While we sing this song together, this is kind of a transition moment for us as we get ready for baptisms. And if you have kids in community kids, no matter how young, birth through sixth grade, I want to ask you now to go and get them. We want to make sure that all of us can be together as a church, our volunteers, all of our kids. And so please uh, go and grab your kids now. And I want to invite the rest of you to stand with us as we sing and just get ready uh, to celebrate together.